Hey, Doug. Hey, Karen. Happy midway point of the year. Is it really? Yeah. Tomorrow is July 1st. So we're halfway through this crazy 2020. Damn. You know what July 1st is? I know a couple different things. What is it? Uh, it's book release day. That's what I thought you were going to say. But we hadn't talked about that on this podcast, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> so, but, you know, surprise, today was actually book release day because Amazon dropped it early. I've been having tech troubles, um, so I'm not really promoting it quite yet. Um, but because gotcha. there's all sorts of issues on my Amazon page that I'm trying to get them to fix. And uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's showing up as two different authors because of my pen name. So it's just, it's kind of a bit of a mess right now. So that's yeah, been like, know, I was going to, I was going to make a joke about, you know, it's great when Amazon delivers things early, but like not this time. No, not this time. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it would have been a problem anyway, because it just was something, it was something I did. It's just a, like, it just wasn't like, it's not clear enough when you have to go in and claim you're like, I couldn't go in and claim my author name until it was on sale and I couldn't. So, so it was like this whole thing. And then I clicked the wrong button. Right. And so you would think like the, Oh shit, you clicked the wrong button. You might be able to like undo that. Oh no, yeah. you got to go through customer service. So I oh. got in touch with customer service. This, this no. is going on. And then, and then like, you know, of course I'm talking to somebody who's probably halfway around the world and, you know, via email. And the worst thing you can get back is, I'd love to help you process this, but we need the ASI, it's like the Amazon's ISBN, ISBN number mm -hmm. for their eBooks um, before we can do anything. So this is now a whole thing where it's like, I have to like resubmit the request with the, with this information. Um, and so now I'm just sort of like back in the, like back, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been sent to the back of the queue it and I'm sucks. like, yeah, yeah. And I just like want, like, I just, and there's just like no way to like remove it. Like, I'm just like, just get it out. Just get rid of it. Just get it out. And like, no. You guys, Karen is going through a lot. So when this is all sorted out, look into her book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just been a bit of a bit of a day with that and um you know and then I'm sort of like having like issues with like I got I was I was invited to do this um I don't know what I don't even know what the hell it's called it's a thing and it's like it's like it's like a huge Facebook group of like romance readers and it's like the biggest oh. romance reader group and and like I'm basically doing participating in some sort of like a, like 20 minute thing where I'm on the group posting like I post shit and like it's like fun and games and I talk about my books I talk about the other person's book who's hosting it like you know it's just like this thing that you do and I was like oh this sounds really cool and so I was like let me sign up for it but like I have to like be a part of the group so I had to go into and be a part of the group but it was like this whole thing where I couldn't be a part of the group with my name because that's not my name. So I had to like, like it through my page, but then I couldn't like it through my page for some reason, all the other pages that I'm the admin on. If you'll see back on the block, I took the ad, my admin. 
off. I, I did see that. <laughs> and that was that was only because I was like, maybe I'm only allowed to be admin on a certain number of pages. So let me take this off. <laughs> so because you're like the only other admin on that I'm I like co-admin on any of the pages. So I took it off. And I was like, oh, I hope Doug doesn't get like freaked out. And then I was like, and that didn't Oddly work. Oddly enough, I saw and figured exactly what was going on. Really? You were like, oh, she had to do something. So I was I, just like, like... It has to do with her uh, with her online pen name. Yeah. <laughs> and you were absolutely right. So I had to go through all of this shit and come to find out it was so stupid. So since I write steamy romance under this pen name, I, I set a parameter on my page that you had to be 18 or older to look at it. Well, apparently that affected my ability to get into this group, which I don't understand why, but whatever. Um, so I had to unclick that, but do you know what in the, like, okay, Facebook has no, nobody that you can talk to. If you have a question, if you're having a hard time with something, right, there's no, there's nobody that you can talk to. And so, um, so you're on your own, like going through their, what their frequently asked questions or whatever, you know, and there was like nothing for this problem. And so I had to Google it and then I, and then like, you know, all these different Google search terms. And then I finally found a group that was like five years, like over, over five years of people chiming in, like, I'm having the problem too. I don't understand. I don't understand. And then finally I found this workaround. Uh, well, somebody posted this thing, like check the, you know, check the age. Do you, if you have this, you know, uncheck it. And I, and I was like, Ooh. And so I did it and I was able to get back in, but that was like an hour of my life. Yeah. And it's really just a straight up another reason to hate Facebook. Yeah, I mean, it was like an hour of my life. I would, I would be off Facebook in a heartbeat, except that I need it for work. Right, of course. So this is a part of how all the people do. Yes, this is a part of how the world works. So, but anyway, yeah. So that. So anyway, this is like my bitching and moaning. You know, has nothing to do with Melrose Place. I'm sure you guys are all. Sorry, this is <laughs> this is your primetime drama. Inside baseball about like you know the, the glamorous world of book releases. That's right. You're welcome, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and of course, like this thing is like next week that I'm doing, and I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what it's expected of me. I've never done one of these things before, so I'm just kind of like, yeah, Maybe sure, I'll that do way. it. And and I'm supposed to talk about this author who I don't know. I don't know her. So this is going to be a kick. Like, I need to see if I can get a hold of her book. Um. You know, so that I can like speak intelligently. So I like. I have faith. I don't know. Like, I'm supposed to play games with these people. I'm like, I don't know what kind of game to play. Like, do I do rock and roll bingo? Maybe I'll do rock and roll bingo. I, I don't even, know how that works. I don't know how I, that works either. I'm just making shit up at this point. Oh, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. I guess I'll figure it out by then. <laughs> I think so, you will. I have faith. I hope I do. So, yeah. So, hey. Well, maybe the plight of one Peter Burns can help you put things in some perspective. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, that was Karen's Excellent Adventure. Now we're going to move on to Peter's Excellent Adventure, which is season four, episode 31. 31. We, 31. Are, we are almost at the finish line of this not-so-good season. Oh, my God. And this one... This one, this one was, was not good. I mean, they've all been not good, but this one kind of stood out as not good. To me. I think you are really not going to like the finale. Oh, goody. 
All right, so here's what I've noticed on our cold open. They had not one but two storylines on the cold open. And then we might as well sort of like jump to the end at this point, too, and also say we had three cliffhangers, and I do not That's think right. they ended on the right one. Um, oh, no, you're definitely right. Okay. So did you notice that two, two storylines in the cold open going on? And yeah. have they ever done this before? Um, I want to say they have. It is definitely something they will keep doing for the rest of the show. They, more than any other series I remember during the 90s, did extra long cold opens. By, like, season six, we had, like, an eight-minute long cold open before we got to the credits. And no shows were doing that at that time. Now, I think I've seen it happen all over the place, but not then. We watched something... Some streaming show where it was like 30 minutes into an episode and they did the cold open. It was the craziest thing. Good Omens. It was Good Omens on Amazon Prime, the Neil Gaiman adaptation. So it's just no rules. No rules. Rules are rules are over. That's weird that they took 30 minutes to run the credit. Well, that's, yeah. That whole thing was kind of like a misbegotten nightmare. But um, that's, that's that's kind of beyond the pale, yeah. But, um, um, we should we should talk about that at um, on Hollywood Boulevard at some point about how I can't. It? Well, I tried, but like I can't read Neil Gaiman, and I couldn't watch the show. I just don't see the appeal. Okay, then me. Why don't we just talk about it in an hour? <laughs> and then okay, we'll talk about it now. That sounds good. We'll talk, that sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, but I will say I don't know that. Never say never. I mean, technically. You know, the season finale, season opener with the bombing had all the scenes taking place with the bombing at Melrose. And then we went over to Jake and what happened with him and Jess. So, like, still connected because they were resolving Cliffy's, but but two separate scenes and two separate settings within the cold open. But these were a bit longer and more pronounced. Right. Because it just, like, jumped out at me. And I was like, holy shit, we have two two separate storylines going on at the cold open that really jumped out to me and I was like I don't know if they've done this before um so I guess the first uh, the first cold storyline in the cold open was Jake roaring into Mancini hard on his bike and he just yep. kind of you off, know off to kill Richard after what yeah. Jane admitted right and so he like ru- rushes into the building and punches out basically punches Richard and Allison must have been like really fast behind him and Betsy because she shows up too well, I thought about that, too. And then I was like, although he was in his motorcycle and she was in her car. So I guess it wouldn't take that long for her to catch up to him. I guess. But motorcycles kind of like he can weave in and out of traffic. I mean, she was like really right there. It was like I was like, what was she on the back of his bike? Maybe she ran all the lights. Maybe she did. So um, so she basically splits it up and sort of talks Jake down and like, you know, you don't want to kill him. You want him in jail. And then she like kind of goes hardcore on Richard. And I was like, you know she what, does. Allison, you should be a victim's advocate, not yeah, an well, ad rap. Yeah, something, there is something to that right there. But yeah, I was surprised that I hadn't remembered that she like really does like just like they write into Richard and she's like, we're going to sue you. Like I'm on to you. That sort of thing. You're going to jail. Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah, it was good. I was like, go Allison, go, 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 go. Um, and then that was kind of it. Right. Yeah. That was kind of it. Yeah. I mean, should we just, should we just see this one, this story through and then go back to the cold open or 
you know, follow our, our other stories one at a time? Um, yeah, which, uh, yeah, however you want to do. Um, just because, I mean, like, they're all kind of siloed, except for the main one. Um, and they're all kind of terrible, so maybe we can just knock them out. Um, right. So we'll so do the, the only thing. The only thing Richard really gets out of Allison's threats and Jake's punching him is that Jane told them what happened, so he's mad about that. Right. Um, but meanwhile, you know, Jane is like closing in on herself. She tells Allison after that to leave her alone. Um, and Allison's like, I have this friend at the DA's office you can talk to. So this is what I wanted to get to before when you were like, she should be like an advocate. How does Allison have a friend at the DA's office? And Allison could have used this friend how many times? That's exactly what I put. I wrote down, I wrote down, where was this friend when Joe was in trouble? Like, yeah, like all of a sudden we have a friend in the DA's office. You know this how we're always like. friend has been really useful a, a number of times. Yeah, and you know how we're always like, there's no main character who's a lawyer. We've never had anyone till we had and now lost Alicia. It's like, if we had this person, like, think of all of the times that they could have come in handy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was sort of a missed opportunity, Melrose Place, um, that you should have and had in kind of, you know, season one. Yeah, and it's kind of a missed opportunity in that I don't think this woman is going to stick around. She's yeah, basically she just there. Jane talks to her, and it's like, oh, it's nice. I, now I can talk to another woman about my situation. But the woman is still tough and a practical lawyer, and she's like, you're going to have a really hard time with this case because of all the things that Richard has also already laid out for her and that we kind of know in the world to be problematic in rape cases. Um, and it, it just leaves a sour taste in Jane's mouth. And she's like, she tells Jake and she tells Allison that she's not going to pursue it. Yes. Um, so she, she pushes Jake away, but she pulls Richard in closer That's because it. she That's decides that thing. she's going to handle this herself. And so now she's kind of like doing this thing, you know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. And she's sort of like, he's mad at her. He's like, you told and you told people. And she's like, I'm just, what'd she say? I'm just cleaning house or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, it was something like she was just cleaning house. And so she was telling them, but getting rid of them and they were going to stay together. And like, you know, they had such a, you know, Mancini Hart has a future. Um, you know, so she's kind of she, she's she's kind of pulling the wool there, which I think was pretty good. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, go Jane. Go Jane. Um, yes, and, it is. It is an unexpected side of Jane. But go Jane. Go Jane. So now here's my question. Right. Remember back in season one or maybe it was season two with no, it was 400 episodes ago. I don't. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Try me. I'm kidding. Um, when Allison and Jake had that like date, that not they? date, yeah. like yeah, it's like episode three. Yeah. 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 Are we gonna have a rekindling of that, or or no? This is just them being friends. Karen, you might be onto something. Jake has like worked his way through every woman in Melrose Place, you would have thought it would have been Michael. It's true. Michael keeps going around and around with, like, the same three women, but except for Kimberly, Jake gets to all of them. 
that's kind of crazy. Like, and I know I guess they brought, but yeah. brought him in to be sort of the bad boy, but Jake has basically fallen in love with every single woman at Melrose Place that he's dated. Like, he's yeah. been like, Joe, Joe is the one. Jane, Jane is the one. You know, it's like, it's, you know, Heather Locklear, Heather Locklear's one. I can't, what? no, it's Amanda, Amanda, not Heather Locklear. So, you know, he's just, he's just sort of like, did he date Sid? He dated Sid. She and did in real life. And did in real life. So I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling like this is kind of crazy, Jake. He's like working his way through all these women. Yeah. Funnily enough, there is a Neil Simon play called Jake's Women. It is not about it is not about Jake Hansen. I know, but I'm wondering if the writers did that on purpose. Probably. I, I don't know. Probably not. Probably. I just think Jake was always one of those cool biker people names. But um yeah, I mean, Jake gets around. But, oh. but I don't consider Jake a slut. Like, I don't consider him, you know, like a promiscuous guy or, or an unfaithful guy the way Michael is, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I just think it's really funny that he's, like, he's, like, hooking up with, like, every single female lead on Melrose Place. Sure does. So, no. so yeah. That that is going to happen, him and Allison. So while Jake is sort of, you know, mooning over his uh, loss of Jane, basically, um, we get one scene with Billy. Yeah, who I didn't even think was going to show up. I was like, Billy is the new Matt. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Billy walks into the bar um, to tell Jake to talk some sense into Allison because he still loves slash wants to own Allison. Yeah. Um, like, nobody's got anything better to do, but fix Billy's love life. And, and, and so Jake is nursing his own love Jones with Jane and her... I, I don't even want to say odd behavior, because now that he knows that she was assaulted, it's kind of like, well, you can at least understand the why. But, um, but yeah, so Billy is like... Billy's having a beer, and then Jake's like, you want to drink with me? And he starts doing shots, and Billy's like, no, never mind. So Jake ends up getting drunk at work, uh, and Billy just walks away. Yeah, and that's when Allison, like, basically, like, gets Jake back into his apartment and kind of tucks him in. And yeah, uh, to sleep it off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when that at that scene, that's when I said, hmm, something else is going to happen here. Yeah, I'll talk more about that in a couple episodes, because I actually think... Uh, the way this moves along is actually written fairly well, which is like shocking given how nothing else around it is. But, um, but yeah, they have, and you know, Jake is talking about how, you know, he finally opened up to Jane and loved her and she hurt him. And Allison's like, I miss being friends with Billy the way you wish you could still have Jane by your side. That sort of thing. Yeah, I thought actually this those those moments with those two were really really well played, and they were I kind of so the too. saving grace of this episode. Um, you know, because you know the other the other thing the other person that we love to watch on this show said had one scene like yeah, she's I'll, sort of I'll, like I'll kicked back to the curb. You know, like it just kind of it was it was these were those these were the moments that I was holding on to because the rest of and it that's was what crap. This show always used to be full of. And, you know, it's great that we have, like, some of our steady players always doing good work, but they're always in the stories that are shunted the furthest to the side right now. 
Yeah. Like we sh- we 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 shouldn't have to depend on you to save the smallest scene, and that's the only morsel we can hold on to. Right. Right. Because right. these big stories are poo-poo. Yeah. So let's finish. And I have, an, I have an English degree, and that's what I say. These big stories are poo-poo. Let's finish the poo-poo plot with Jane here. Um, when, when we wrap up on now, this is this is the this is the one that closed the entire episode. This end, right? This. Yes. I think this was the one that closed it, and this I think was pretty weak, and I didn't think was the right one to to end with. Of course. But um, basically, Jane goes to the gun range. And she's shooting a gun and some, and I guess the guy that runs the range or whatever it was, she's like in the little booth getting ready to shoot, says to her, well, what'd you get the gun for? And she said, safe sex. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's going to use it on Richard. And she's practicing her shooting. Who knew? She Jane practices her shooting gun. and they also do a montage of her thinking back and reliving the rape. Oh, that's right. They did the montage. Yeah. So it's clear this is this is what she's trying to do. She's trying to get Richard where she wants him, and she's going to shoot and or kill him. So, I mean, we're all rooting for this, I think, at this point, because Richard is so horrible and the storyline is so terrible. Just make yeah, it Yeah, like it can't happen but, fast enough. But yeah. it's very un-Jane-like, if you think about it. Or, um, or, at least, yeah. or at least this turn has happened very quickly. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that, especially since I don't think she's like completely processed the attack yet, right, or but... you know, it's or or that or they've shown us that she's completely processed it. I, no, I don't know. The, the whole thing is just terrible. Yeah, I mean that's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, it's it's terrible. We talk, you know, you say something about like processing or trauma or things like that. Those just really weren't things that writers spent time dealing with in a nighttime serial 25 years ago. Yeah, I know. But it just but it just makes everything so jarring. You know, do you know what I mean? It's irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. Like like all like and even when it's not sort of, you know, oh, about like rape or, you know, about these sort of like big, heavy subjects. They still, when they don't do that deep dive, they just kind of like jar you in and out of these stories and in and out of yeah, these right. moments. And you're kind of like getting whiplash when you're getting thrown around because it's yeah. like all of a sudden, oh, well, we don't care anymore. And all of a sudden we're upset for, you know, over this thing that we never were upset about. And now we're going to be upset. Like it just, it's just, there's no consistency, I guess. Would that be what I'm trying to say? Maybe. I mean, I think every point you've made is, is right. I'm like making a half-hearted defense of the writer's room from the 90s because those just weren't the expectations and we know and expect better now. But yeah, looking through a 2020 prism, yeah, they were shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, was it all shitty back in the 90s? Like, are, are we just so used to like TV being better? Um... I don't remember it. Like, I, I don't, think, I mean, I, think, I haven't I seen LA Law. I think with few exceptions, they weren't graceful. Because I think they were squeezing multiple arcs within a season. So it was, I think sometimes it was a lot of just like getting from point A to point B without going through the nuances of some of it. Well, I mean, I guess if we sort of talk about, like, it's this, the closest ancestor to Melrose is going to be Beverly Hills 90210. And I don't recall 
feeling this way about Beverly Hills 90210. You would have if you watched the second half of the season of the series, I think. Okay, so which because is when I it really stopped. became a night, which is when it really became a nighttime soap. And I'm, if I really think specifically about the Jenny Garth character who became the lead after Shannon Doherty left and became a perpetual victim. Um, I mean, she was one thing after another, you know, she was in a fire, she was in a cult, she was raped, she had a stalker, she was shot. And it was like just one thing after another for story purposes. But I don't think they ever did, you know, like graceful storytelling or dealt with, you know, like trauma or processing it at all. It was just to feed into the next plot of like what horrible thing can happen to our leading actress. Mm, okay. All right. But it, but it yeah, wasn't I guess like I that. It was, more, it, it was more sensitive in the beginning when it was really about high school age stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, moving on. Let's move on. Joe um, and Matt yeah, let's and knock out this Matt, Joe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. So Matt is now Dr. O'Malley's uh, TA. And I guess they're doing rounds together and they have a, a, a like a young street kid who's been taken into the hospital. We don't know what's wrong with him. They just seem to not know what's wrong with him. And Matt's being really empathetic to the kid. And the kid's kind of like, you know, he's a street kid. The kid he's is a jerk. Tough, you know, he's I a mean, jerk. the kid is a jerk. Yeah. But I mean, he's also understandably a jerk, you know. And yeah, so and Matt is really good. Yeah, he knows that. Yeah. Happens. And Matt's a social worker and Matt's really good with street kids. But remember, he ran that street kid halfway house or something and you know and so basically like Matt's really empathetic and really nice and Dr. Feelgood is like you need to be mean to these patients yeah he's like I only deal with tough love and that's what you have to do yeah yeah so basically that's it but okay so then he he ends up Dr. O'Malley ends up at Joe's place yeah, not like she invites him over. Like he's like he stalks unexpected. her. He yeah, comes unexpected, into Melrose uninvited. place, which does have a lock, but um, he's sitting on the steps leading up to her apartment, waiting for her. Yeah, and he's and she's like, "Why are you do? What are you doing here?" And he's like, "I had a I had a rough day. I had a and I wanted to like talk to somebody that I like. I mean, it was just kind of it was kind of weird and and slightly creepy, but then it was kind of like, oh, okay, he isn't bad. This is this isn't bad. This isn't too bad. Like I get it. Like he wants to like he he had a tough day and he wants to process this. And I was kind of thinking for a second that we might see the other side of him where like on the one hand he's telling Matt like you, you know, tough love and you know, you you can't get a, you can't get attached or be sentimental with these patients, but then like there's a flip side to that for him as a human being where he's going to have to like, you know, he takes in all of like this bad stuff and he won't empathize directly with the victims, let's say. So where does he put that? Right. And so like, you know, so I was like, Oh, maybe he's going to open up about that wrong kind of. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. You're still thinking. Um, I think you're overthinking. I mean, I think you're you're doing more thinking and plotting than our writers did. That's so um, I need to not think about it. So basically, they fight over a dead baby that was left in a dumpster. Or no, it wasn't a dead baby. The baby was fine. It was a baby. Yeah, he talks yeah. about that there was this baby who was found in the dumpster, and how could any mother do that? So yeah. then, so then Joe's antennae go up, 
because yeah. she's like, oh, now he's, you know, hurt me where I'm most vulnerable when I think about the son I had to give up. And and so then she gets prickly and pushes him away. Right. Not not understandably, but um, again, this is the kind of thing where just communication might have been helpful um, because what it does is it turns him into a stalker and he comes looking for her a second time. Yeah, he returns at a photo shoot where she's taking bad pictures um, of ba- of of ugly boats, and uh, and 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 he gets in the way of one of her photos, and she's like, "Why are you here?" And he basically like all of a sudden like vomits out all of this stuff about how he has feelings for her, and even like uses the L word at one point. Yeah, yeah, which which what? should actually raise an alarm, but but because he's showing a human side, you're sort of glad for it, I guess. If this were any other storyline and not building just towards the end of this season, this guy would be Joe's next Mr. Bad News Bear. But is he? No. He's okay. actually going to turn out to be good for her. Okay. Because that's kind of, I'm kind of at this point rooting for her and this guy because, like, how many, like, how much shit can they keep flinging at this poor woman? I know. They, if she had stayed, I promise they would have never stopped. Okay. All right. So... So, so we're glad for what happens next, essentially. Okay, because Joe freaks out and basically tells him about the baby she left behind. And he is like, did you put your baby in a dumpster? No, so I wasn't talking about you. You did the right thing. Um, right. And they embrace, and it was kind of this, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Him saying that you're not a bad mom is great. Him being like, and I love you, freaks her out, and rightly so. It's a bit much. Yeah, it is a bit much. I mean, how, where, how, what, how, where did that come from? How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had what was called accelerated healing. Um, (laughs) Accelerated loving. I don't know. I don't know. Meanwhile, back at the hospital, Matt's the only one with a job. And so he's working and he's back with this kid. And they still don't know what's wrong with him, apparently, but he needs to get an IV into the kid who, I guess, has, like, arms, like, te- skin like Teflon, and he can't get the well, IV Maybe in. he's just got invisible veins. Maybe. Um, and so the kid ends up kind of, like, getting away from, you know, he just pushes his yeah, way he like sw- Yeah, he, like, swings out at Matt and runs out. Yeah, and he runs out and shoves Matt on his way out so that Matt kind of, like, falls into the bed and he stabs himself with the needle breaking the skin and there's the uh oh moment all around because we assume even though we never saw blood that he did actually stick the needle in the kid yeah yeah because the only blood we actually see is matt's like when he was like poking it at the kid's arm it was kind of like it was like he was just poking it and it didn't go in anywhere yeah, so I guess presumably it had somehow pierced the kid and then broke Matt's skin, and Matt is infected with this mystery illness. Yeah, so are we supposed to assume that it's HIV? Are we supposed to assume it's like it's not that dramatic? Like, I, like again, like I don't think it's HIV. Thing. I think it's like a meningitisy type thing. Okay, because they're kind of like playing around with like we don't know what's wrong with him and he's a street kid and then the needle. And I mean, back then, like HIV was a big deal, you know? Um, I mean, not like it's not a big deal anymore, but it was like, I mean, it was, it was a death sentence. 
Yeah, we were in big panic mode back then. Uh, also, like, I'm glad, I, again, my memory tells me that it's not anything HIV-related, um, which is great because we don't need another Matt is gay, here's uh, HIV-AIDS storyline again. Yeah, that was the other thing that I was kind of, like, really uncomfortable about, where it was like, oh, great, not only are they, like, giving the gay guy HIV, but it's also, like, the way that they, like, it was just kind of, it could have been anybody else that got HIV, and it probably, that way, and it should have been somebody else that got HIV that way, not the sole gay character, you know? Yep, not, not to send glib, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, so... So anyway, I guess uh, that was, and that was another Cliffy, right? I mean, like, I I feel like that was. Yeah, uh, Matt could be in real danger. Yeah, but, um, and that was another one where it was kind of like, could have been the, could have been the ending, but no. I mean, I guess it didn't really deserve to be there. Not, not because it wasn't dramatic, but because they don't care about Matt. Well, because it's such a peripheral storyline. Yeah, it is. They don't, they don't care about Matt. All right. So now on to the big one, the big guns. Um, this was part of the cold open. Right. So we're going all the way back to the beginning. And yes, the other scene that helped start the episode, um, we're with Peter. Uh, yes. So we're back with Peter. Now, Peter is still at the hospital with the cops. But now they're in, like, some sort of room, and he's, like, talking about, like, Alicia, and they, they were on the phone, and, and they got they got cut off, and they need to find her. And then all of a sudden, there's a nurse in there with a body bag, this and she's is like, amazing. oh, Alicia, Alicia, she's right here. I'm like, what the hell is this place? There is- this, this scene is amazing. <laughs> so, this, is, this is the closest we get to, like, old-school, ridiculous Melrose Place. It's so I think they have said or I just put in my head that like four hours have passed since Peter was on the phone with Alicia and she got hit by the truck and died. Peter doesn't know that he just think they lost the call and that she was still going to turn around and admit to, you know, her involvement in Bobby's death and exonerate Peter. Um, so he's like, no, I was on the phone with Alicia. I didn't know, uh, what happened, but she said she was going to come in. And yeah, the, the nurse is like, oh, are you talking about Alicia Barnett? That's her in the body bag that's five <laughs> feet away from you in this very room. And I'm like, how long has the body been in there? Like, like, do they just normally have like police interrogation rooms in the hospital? And that's also where they store the dead bodies. Hey guys, come in this room with me. It's fine. We can talk. I promise. I'm innocent. It's fine. (laughs) I don't know why I'm really making Peter Italian for this, but I am. Um, And then as if that scene wasn't crazy enough, then Amanda walks in. Yeah, and not only does Amanda rush in in the middle of, like, I guess this interrogation, she punches Peter. She, like, yeah, comes in and sucks him. Because only now has she learned the truth that Peter and Alicia set Bobby up. And that it wasn't anything to do with his father. And so, yeah, like, somehow she found out exactly where Peter was at the hospital. Doesn't care that there are cops in the room with him. Doesn't care punches there's a dead body in there. Yeah. yeah. No. Comes in, punches him out. And, you know, once again, we're left asking, is there no security anywhere on Melrose Place? Yes. No security. Yeah, I, have, I have no, yeah, yeah, I have no punchline, no way to top that. Yeah, yes. no, this we, is, we don't. Yeah. Why? Why? 
why okay yeah so that was sort of like the absolute ridiculousness that opens um this storyline and um so at least when we get back to the storyline after the cold open they have left the body back at the hospital to take peter to the lapd hq so he's in a real interrogation room without a dead body and um and there's some back and forth and i thought about this why couldn't he just produce a receipt from his dinner like, why does he need Kimberly? Like, he paid for dinner. That is a good point, right? Because he would have had a receipt and it would have been time stamped. I don't think he paid in cash. Uh, that would have been a good attempt. But let's not be too logical because then we don't have an episode. Right, right. But I'm just saying, okay. So, uh, yeah. but I mean, it would help. I mean, I'm sure they'd be like, well, we also need to talk to Kimberly so that she can verify that it was indeed you. And, you know, not somebody who used her credit card like that. I could see. But like to, to be able to not even be like, oh, wait, let me let me produce a receipt. You know, like even if it was something like I just need to find it. Like, I don't like I don't know. It just yeah. felt like there, like this was a little bit easier to just, you know, to, to sort of manage um, without Kimberly. But anyway, um, he asks if he's under arrest and the cops are like, no, and tell, tells him that he can, he's free to go. And that's when Michael shows up. Of course. Um, as he's on his way out, Peter is on his way in. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael was on his way in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Michael always shows up like when it's like one second too late. Um, and then, and that's when Peter tells him that Kimberly's got this multiple personality dis- disorder and Michael doesn't believe him. Yeah, I mean, he's very matter-of-fact about it. He's like, yeah, oh, by the way, I've been worried about Kimberly for a while. She has this multiple personality disorder. That's why she's the one who hit you over the head. And Michael's like, wait, really? That's what's going on? <laughs> I know, it's great. He's like, he's like, I don't believe you. And he's like, Betsy, Tupperware, <laughs> biker. Yeah, he's like, come on. And Michael's like, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and he, he, yeah he believes him. So, so now, now Michael's like, I need to find Kimberly. Yeah, and so this now, is the only time we see Sid. This is the only time we see Sid when Michael is at the office. I don't know what he's doing there, getting something. And Sid is just sitting at a desk, turning on and off a lamp, all sad because Bobby's dead. Um, and Michael is like, you need to call Kimberly repeatedly basically he's like keep calling her until you get her on all her on all her phones and it's like oh but bobby's dead and he's like he was your roommate we're talking about my wife <laughs> and i mean said for all of her you know attempts uh with bobby she i mean she doesn't seem all that broken up well it's like they put the scene in so that sid can be upset about bobby whether she has a claim on him or not um but we really did miss an opportunity. Like, we could have built this into a whole thing, right? Yep. Sid, we missed Sid finding out. Like, as stupid as the storyline is, as stupid as the sloppy as the Sid Bobby stuff is, they still could have written it in a way that had a humane touch that Laura Layton could have been really capable of delivering on. I mean, like, how did she find out? Who told her? How long did it take? Where was she? These are things that could have made for a really great scene. Well, yeah, and even beyond that, you know, if they wanted to sort of like up the camp factor, like how perfect would have been would it have been if she became like the Italian widow? Oh yeah, and she wore black for episodes on it. Yes! Yeah, totally. Yeah, 
Do it really do it up with, yeah, yeah, with the black veil and everything. Yeah, yeah, because she was like, I mean, she was like going on and on about how they were a couple when they weren't a couple. So like, why wouldn't she just like, like drive it home? Yeah, no one's there to deny it now that he's dead. Yeah, I mean, it would have been perfect. It would have been absolutely perfect. And then she could have talked about like avenging him because he was swindled, you know? I mean, there was there there was a lot that they could have done instead of like just putting poor yeah. Laurel in there switching on and off a lamp, you know. Although she did it wonderfully, it was really great. It was nice. She to did see it her. wonderfully. You know what that scene is reminiscent of? I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but I always thought it was. Uh, there's a famous scene in Fatal Attraction where Glenn Close does that with a light. To oh the yeah, I forgot like, about that. I bet they did. I bet they did do it on purpose. Probably. Yeah. I bet they did. Probably. Um, okay, so I guess Peter goes back to his house. And Amanda um, shows up again. Yeah, and by the way, can, can, I, can I ask you, did Peter get a new house? I feel like oh, this is a new house. It's funny, because I was like, is that his house? And then I was like, it almost looks like Bobby's house. Um, I think we have seen, I think when Amanda came over before and, and Lonnie Anderson comes by, I think it's the same house. But All I right. can't that for sure because i feel like it was a different house but maybe i'm confusing it but i felt like his kitchen was different and like the front door was different like the the i don't know like anyway it felt like a different house but anyway she she shows up and confronts him again about setting up bobby and he basically cops to it and i kind of loved it how he was like well there are certain levels of deception which i thought was kind of brilliant and i was like ha ha I mean, long story short, ultimately she forgives him. That was fast. Yeah, he confesses to everything. He says, but I really wanted you, and Alicia wanted the company, and then she gives in. Yeah, and that's it. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, Betsy, Betsy, meanwhile, Kimberly is Betsy, and she is watching the whole thing through the window. She is waiting right outside the window. Right. And I guess Uh, just stays outside all night. Yeah, because the next morning... um, we see the Peter Amanda huddle over breakfast, um, or they're, I guess they're strategizing, whatever. She leaves, and Betsy just walks right in off the patio, yeah. and um, you know, Peter doesn't even look like what the hell. Um, and she starts with the, you know, oh Peter, I need your help. Um, I've I've called this hospital up north, and they said that they can, you know, they they, they have room for me. Will you take me? And uh, and so Peter's like, yes, of course. But first, we need to go to the go to the um, to the police station the police so that station. you can talk to the cops and tell them I'm innocent. And then I will take you right away to the to this hospital up north. Um, but when they get into his car, uh, she stabs him with a sedative. Yeah, she shoves a needle right in his thigh as he's driving. Yeah, and um, and so he pulls over and uh, she shoves it, you know, she like shoves him in the back seat and she actually is the one that sort of drives them up to Shady Pines or whatever the hell it's called. Up Willow, north. Willow Bridge. But yeah. Willow Bridge. <laughs> in a cruel twist, she has Peter committed. And now Peter is stuck in this sort of like one flew over the cuckoo's nest nightmare. Yeah, um, very snake pity. Yeah. Yeah. And Kimberly has taken the reins as acting medical director for the week. So Peter is not going to be able to talk his way out of this. <laughs> no. No, no. He's in real juju. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess Kimberly, I like, I don't know. They keep saying up north. And I'm like, how far away is this place? Because this has got to be a bear of a commute for Kimberly. Kimberly, um, but she does take a break to go to the beach house. 
uh, where Betsy, because she's Betsy, is upset about the mess and ends up finding Michael in bed. And she's like, I'm why are you here? I'm still mad at you. We are not together. You can't be here. And um, and Michael's trying to say, hey, Peter's looking for you. And she's like, I don't care. He's a wanted murderer. Yeah. And that was it. And I'm kind of like, like, Michael didn't do anything to bring her in. I mean, he knew right. at that right. point. Right, at this point he knows, and he's not even acting super different. Yeah. Like, like he's acting, he, he knows that this is probably an altar of Kimberly's, but he's not, he's just treating it like it's Kimberly when she's at her more strung out. Not, not that it's a different person, essentially, that he's talking to, let alone one who has already tried to kill him. And it's super weird because it's like the like it's like the next scene. Michael and Amanda have to join forces to look for Kimberly, and I'm like, look for Kimberly. She was right yeah, there like at the beach house. Yeah. You just had her. What do you do? That, what? That, that's exactly the the insanity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they go to the restaurant because they want to get evidence to clear Peter and find Kimberly and. Like, Michael kind of almost blows it, but then Amanda works her magic, and they find Kimberly in a picture on the night in question, but that's I mean, not it's enough. Yes. It's like, I yeah. mean, it's all this stuff, and they break into Kimberly's office where they find Peter's keys and his wallet, but Michael, like, won't let Amanda call the cops. He loves Kimberly, after all. She's his wife. So Amanda basically gives him 24 hours um, to find Kimberly and find Peter, um, or else, like, she's going to go to the cops. And, um, you know, in the meantime, and this is how we, this is how they should have, I should say, this is how they should have ended the, um, this, this episode, which they did not, is poor Peter is now ordered, um, uh, what's her name, Kimberly, or slash Betsy, has ordered poor Peter to get shock treatment. Um, yeah. And they pull it's him about in. about to do electroshock yeah. therapy. Yeah. yeah, they're about to do electroshock therapy. And that should have been the... Yeah, I mean, this is our big storyline, and this is the most threatening of all of the the endings of any of us. Yeah, this should have been how you end the episode. Yeah, th- this should have been the one, and instead it was Jane shooting a gun. Yeah, which Jane shooting a gun and Matt accidentally injecting the needle into his arm both would have made okay cliffhangers, if you will, for a more regular episode, but as we're gearing up for the end of the season, which most of the focus is still going to be on Peter and Betsy and Amanda, uh, this needed to be the final yeah. scene of the show. Yeah. yeah. Also, really we did. didn't mention, but the nurse at Willowbridge is played by Priscilla Presley. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, oh, she looks so familiar. And she is very sympathetic. Now, she she started out a little hard-ass, and now she's very sympathetic towards um, towards Peter. Yeah. Yeah, and and she's starting to kind of question Kimberly, uh, Kimberly, what Kimberly is doing with him. Yes, um, and I think she ends up being even more prominent in the next. Week. I mean, can we even like talk about like, like how Kimberly has basically like s- snookered her way into this mental hospital and has brought in Doctor Peter Burns, who she's now calling Mister Peters. And she's like basically like giving him a hole. Like it's it's kind of like hysterical. Yeah, I mean, can we talk about how neither Peter nor Kimberly should even be practicing medicine? And they're like <laughs> the leading practitioners across Los Angeles. <laughs> and like how does Kimberly like get all of these jobs? And you know, I mean it's just kind of it's 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 kind of, you know, head scratching. 
Yeah, no, it does not make sense. Also, I guess we're done seeing the third alter, Rita, because it's just yeah. Betsy all the time, who's who went from being Privin proper to being this big plotting menace to primarily to Peter. Um, but it's like, okay, then that's where we are. Yeah, and I mean, in a way, it's kind of like this, well, what the hell did Peter ever do to you? But like the way that they're justifying it is that he's the he's the one that got her committed the first time she was committed. Um, and so now she's doing to him what he did to her. That's the justification. I guess. But also he represents right now the biggest obstacle to Kimberly. If Kimberly gets treatment, then Betsy dies. So he is the obstacle to Betsy being able to live and control Kimberly. Yeah. That so, sorry, Dr. Sorry, Peters. Sorry, Mr. Peters. Mr. Peters. I don't even know. Did we, does he have a first name? I don't think so. Because then they should, she was calling him like Peter Peters. I like it was it was bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre. It and, should be funnier though than it is. Yeah, and it's not. Like it should be like when Sid became a porn producer, when Sid became a <laughs> prostitute, when Sid was in the cult. Like it should be really hilarious like that. And it's not quite. It's soapy, but it's not funny. That's the problem now. Well, I will, like, props to Jack Wagner. Like, he's doing the best he can here. And, I mean, I think he's doing a really pretty good job. He is. He is. I think you still like him more than I do, but he is. I mean, he's making it work. Yeah. I mean, I think that he hams it up where, where he needs to ham it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, like, he's got, he got handed such a piss-poor story. Like, like, you know, his original storyline where he came in as, like, the chief of staff who then ends up, like, you know, taking over the ad agency and doing this whole thing on Amanda to shove her out and then how they come back. Like, he just got shit on with his storylines. Like, they started so strong and then they just went down, like, this bizarro land path, you know? And, like, I feel like we're going down it again with him where it's, like, he keeps getting into trouble and he keeps getting arrested and and all of these things keep happening yes you know but you see what has happened right they have shifted the dial enough so that peter and jack wagner are by far the leading man the leading character and leading actor on this show now like we talked about jake being with everyone well but jake's storylines really don't add up to anything and michael is not the lead and we're barely seeing billy and that's like, that's fine with us. Aside from that, I think that's all I've left. Um, like, it is the Jack Wagner show at this point. It, it went from being more of an ensemble thing to it really being like, it is the Heather Locklear Jack Wagner show. Right. Right. Which, I mean, I guess it could be worse, but I think that these storylines are ridiculous. The, these are particularly ridiculous. And yeah. they will retreat from that, I think. Uh, and kind of swing back into the opposite direction starting in season five. Okay, well, good. Uh, can't get there fast enough. What do we have? Two more left? Two more episodes? Two more. Two, two including the, the double episode mm-hmm. finale. Yeah. Okay. So um, um, I have a, I have a yeah. question, and it's uh, yeah. a question Alyssa had posed to me. I think in the last episode when Bobby and Alicia died, are you surprised by, like, how high the body count on this show is over time? You know, I think we started naming things and like we couldn't stop. 
Yeah, I think I th- I think so. Yeah, I think that um, now that y- you know she brought she brought that up, you, you, there is a very high body count. I mean, for a show that's not about, you know, it's not like a vampire slayer show, or right. and you know, it's not, it's not set in the crime world. Yet. Yeah, and, and it's not. Uh, I mean, it's it's around a hospital, but it's not like ER where you're gonna have right. like Correct. dealing with life and yes. death emergencies with patients. So, yeah, actually, um, it is a surprisingly high body count. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, Dynasty, Dallas, did they have high body counts, too? I want to say they might have. But that, like, in the 80s, every movie had a high body count. And then towards the 90s, people got a bit more skittish. And it wasn't quite like that. Um, so, I mean, I I sort of didn't think about it too much because I just remember them happening as they happened in real time. But now watching them, it's kind of like, yeah, like this is how we get rid of every obstacle, Ted. Bye. <laughs> Let's just kill them off. We don't. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we, we started naming them and we couldn't even finish the list. Yeah. We were, like, we were like, yeah, it's uh, Brooke and Haley and Richard Hart's wife and Bobby and Alicia and Jack Parisi and, and Matt's dad. And that's just this season. And and then there's, Billy's you know, dad. Amanda's dad. Allison's <laughs> dad. There was Bruce. There was Bruce. There was Keith. Oh, right. There was the, the wife that Matt got framed for killing. Right. And then the guy who did the framing and killed her. There was oh, yeah, Reed. How did you yeah. forget Reed? So, yeah, the high body count, indeed. Very high body count, yeah. And All right. I don't think it's done. Not, I mean, in general. Oh yeah, um, the the Vic from North Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> More people are going to be dead. Yeah. The body. So on that high note, yeah. yes. On that on that note, we are going to go over to um to the block, right? No, to the boulevard. We're on the block. We're on the block. We're going to leave. We're going to leave the block and head to the boulevard. Uh, we've given them a preview because we'll definitely talk about Good Omens um, or or why we can't watch Good Omens. And we'll throw some other stuff in. Perfect. Um, all right, guys. We will see you over there. Give us a follow. Yeah, stay good and uh, catch us over there on the boulevard. Bye.